You may be seated. Uh, let me just tell you a couple of things. I've had the privilege over the years to do almost 60 camp meetings, both as night speaker and day Bible teacher. I had the great privilege for a few years to do about eight or ten camp meetings with, at that time, our general superintendent, Brother Nathaniel Urshan. That's a, you'd have to be a minister to understand the privilege of doing that. So in some of those, I, I was the day Bible teacher and the night speaker. We were in Maryland, D.C. area. He had a call and had to leave before that service that night. We were doing camp meeting. It was going for seven days. I uh, thought it was a real compliment when he told the district superintendent, he said, I've got to leave and I won't be back till in the morning. And the superintendent told him, as Brother Urshan related it to me, well, I'll get somebody. And he said, no, 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 no. I want Brother Josephus to take my place tonight. And that's what he used to call me at the better moments in of our lives. <laughs> and uh, so I was the day Bible teacher at the Indiana camp. Real privilege. I had told Brother Urshan when I found out, I said, well, you're going to have to put up with me as a day Bible teacher. He said, I'm looking forward to it. You know, and most people would think that's a genius to be able to say, I'll look forward to it. But in life, most things we do, we have to look forward to it. So, you know, he um, paid me a compliment. He was up preaching that night because he was the night speaker. He was up preaching. I was sitting next to the district superintendent, some of the officials, all the presbyters on the platform. Indiana camp is a large camp. At that time, they'd always run about 2,000 plus in their services. And all of a sudden, the bishop said, and I'm not going to say under the anointing, but uh, he said it. He said, and Abraham went up to the top of that mountain to get the laws from God. And he got those tablets. And Abraham started down and he heard two ministers leaned over to me and asked me, is, it, is he saying Abraham went and got the commandments? And I said, if he says Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, you just give an amen and don't pay any attention to your bishop. And I wasn't going to be the one to tell him that, wow, you know, you really missed it. But uh, it's good. Uh, is pastor still up here? Oh, right up down here. Oh, you just kind of blend into that section over there. <laughs> I just first want to say that my wife was with me, and wow, that's great. And uh, thank you. You're so kind. You're so kind. <clears throat> And I want to say that it's good to be in this service. We've had a wonderful October day today, haven't we? 
Did I say something wrong? <laughs> Lest I said something wrong, I'll look at my notes and repeat it. That's what my notes say. Pastor said it this morning, and I'm not going to contradict him. <laughs> Whatever he says, bless God, this beautiful October evening. So sometimes we do say some things, you know. <clears throat> Before we get into the Word, I, I would uh, like to reflect on a lot of the activities that have been going on in our nation. And I want to make it plain so that you don't misunderstand me. I want to say something good and something gracious about our president. Can I? Thank you. Good gracious. His plate is really full, isn't it? Thank you for letting me say something good and gracious. You know, there's about two of you. You want to smile, but it's just, you know, against part of your Pentecostalism religion. And, and, and so I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to reach for you to help you smile tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're going to have fun in the church. Isn't that a fact? Huh? All right. I want you to go with me in Scripture to Matthew chapter 19. And verse 6, we're going to put this up on the screen. This is going to be our subject for tonight. this crescendo and there is my text the last portion the last part of this verse of scripture what therefore God hath joined together let not man put asunder I uh, don't think I need to remind all of us or remind you to think and reminisce. We've all been there when a couple got married and the minister always got to that verse of Scripture. There'll no longer be two but one flesh and, and always quote that. What God hath joined together, let that man put asunder. That's the topic for this evening. I invite you to turn to Luke, the second chapter. I have uh, analyzed this 
about two weeks ago, <clears throat> thought I was going in another direction, but then this is something came to me, and I started looking at this, and I thought, wow, you know, that's good stuff. Should be. It's God's word. Isn't that right? Second chapter of the book of St. Luke. There's an introduction about taxation. There wanted a degree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And I'll read it so you know I'm reading from the Bible. It was under Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing that was made first, Serenius, was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one of them into his own city, and were still being taxed even at this hour. I never remember seeing that before in there. Yeah, we can relate to taxation. The Bible said, And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. So that's where he had to go and had to register and get his form of taxing and fill it out and pay his taxes. He went there to be taxed with his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. And as if there didn't need to be an explanation, one is given because there was no room for them in the inn. The hotel was filled. There are two main points that I bring at this point in what I call scene number one, which is the manger area. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Hmm. And the two points that I first bring to you is the fact that there are two items mentioned, swaddling clothes, the narrow band of cloth that's used to wrap a child up and under the arms and over the shoulders and behind the back and down the legs and under the feet. And that was especially done to the newborn babes. And so they were called swaddling clothes. And the second point was the fact that then she, after doing that, laid him in a manger. It says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Two points. The two items are tangible and physical. Nothing great and spiritual about it till you kind of dig into the scripture a little more. One was made from cloth and the other was from wood. And so let's do this for a moment. Let's leave scene number one, the manger scene, and let's go to scene number two, 
We'll come back to scene number one in a little bit because that's all it really tells us in verse 7, and then the transition is made in verse 8. She did what she could do, and now in verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. Now, we were first seen one, we were where? At a manger scene. We're now at a scene number two, which I call the field scene. We're in a field. What do we find in the field? There were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Somebody else was staying where these animals normally would stay. They were in the same country. Same territory, same locality. So they were out all day or wherever were and were caught into the nighttime, and so they just set up camp while someone else took over. Things really work out good for those that love God, don't have you found that to be true? Huh? You go and you find the hotels are full and there's no room. And for some reason, shepherds are not coming in with the flock tonight. They're staying in the field. That's scene number two. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, now this is one angel. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This joy is not confined to Judaism. It's for all people. One angel with a message from Jehovah God announcing that what is taking place and happening today back at the stable is going to bless all people. Bless God. And all the Jewish people in the audience said, praise the Lord. God bless you. And all who are not Jewish by descent, you are thrilled with that. All people, you'll say hallelujah. Ah, that's great. For unto you, now watch this, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Talking to shepherds. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a shepherd, which is Christ the Lord. Oh, I like that. Wow, Christ the Lord. You could ask David about it, and he said, well, the Lord's my shepherd. That's Jehovah God. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of scriptures right now, and maybe won't, won't even do it later tonight. i just give you a couple, and if you grab a hold of those, then I won't pull out my 52-item you know, list. I'll just figure you got it. Did you get that? Who is the Lord? High and lifted up. Ask Paul. Boy, I like the way Paul said it on the road to Damascus, the bright light, the voice. Why are you persecuting me? And here's what he said. Who art thou, Lord? You can't get any plainer than what he said. He said to Paul, 
I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. That's pretty plain. I don't know how we're going to, yeah. I may have to keep this side after school tonight. This side, I think, got it real good right off. Just, oh, real, the response was great. Hmm. It's Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This is a sign unto you. You're going to find the babe because you're going to get up real quick. You're going to make haste, and you're in the same country. You know where it's at. won't take you long to get there. But here's what's going to be amazing. When you get there, you're going to find the daddy and the mama, and you're going to find the baby, and the baby is going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. It's amazing that when God wants to join something together, he stamps it. Do not change this. Do not discard this. Do not put it asunder as what he says. He said, when I put something together Dig deep, there's a purpose for it. Because you know what is amazing? The shepherds are told you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. We already knew that from scene one. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And they were not singing because singing had created some problems in the heavens years before this, way back in time before this. There was a time when, of course, the Scripture, I looked them up. You know that there's not a place in all the Bible where the word angel is used as a subject of the verb to sing? And I know about the reference of Job 38, 7, when the morning stars sang together. I'm even willing, as human as I am, to kind of agree the fact that if we really checked out and could talk to a bunch of them, they'd sing and prove that they maybe could sing. But I don't know that from Scripture. It was said about Lucifer before the fall that the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created, Ezekiel 28 and 13. I take that from the scripture. His voice was beautiful, like an organ with pipes. So I don't doubt a whole lot that angels couldn't sing, but they didn't sing here. And it's hard to find in scripture where they did singing. I don't know. This is me talking. I don't know. But is there a possibility that when Lucifer was cast out and 33, one-third of those demonic spirits that followed him were cast out of heaven, it had an effect upon the music program in the heavens? I don't know. I don't know.
I wrote something down. <clears throat> See if I can find it. I'm getting close to it. Wrote this down. Oh, it's going to be good if I can find it. Oh, it's on the next page, I think. Oh, yeah, here. I wrote this down. I started looking in Scripture. Catch the vision. See what is taking place in the heavens. There's a transition. There is a change. Lucifer, Satan, is cast out. And those that wanted to follow him, the fallen, we call them the fallen angels. And all of a sudden, by the time the second temple was built, <laughs> there was a man called David, a man called Asaph. There was a group called the sons of Korah. There was Solomon and Heman. There was Ethan and Esrahite. There was even Moses. And out of the book of Psalms, the hymnal, only 73 Psalms are attributed to David. But God called on a committee to get some music together, psalms, poems to be sung as praise unto the Lord on earth. Devil, we cast you out. You messed it up a little bit. But what I've done, I've got a backup plan and program. I'm calling some men to order and I'm appointing a committee under David and Asaph, who was the music director of David, to make up, print up, and hand out a 150 pages or songs that you're going to be singing again. Let's give the Lord praise, for he can take care of what the devil thinks he can mess up. I'm going to just throw this out for right here. If you want it, grab it. Be like a hungry dog looking for a bone. I'm going to throw a bone out. We have some of the best, not just music, because if it reaches just entertainment and if it reaches just fleshly presentations, then maybe we need another cleaning out of the heavens and the sanctuary. But we're going to keep it holy and we're going to keep it as worship and we're going to keep it as praise. Hallelujah. We've got people in here that know how to put it together in worship. Don't lose that ability. Let's give our choirs and our singers and our leaders in music a big hand for the spirituality of what they do when they sing and worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. So the heavenly host, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. <laughs> there was one angel, and he was bringing a message from God. And the message was unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Notice the phraseology. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, everybody say a big crowd. 
say large group, a multitude of the heavenly host, word singing's not used, praising God. Could have opened the hymn to the 150 at that time and sang some verses there in poetry and song. But they were just full. They, this was a multitude joined the one, and what they were doing was praising God. And notice, and they were doing something else. And saying, Are you ready for this? Everybody just kind of throw it back at me. Lift your hand and wave it and say, they were praising God. And what God has joined together, they were praising God. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Whew. Now that's worship. I didn't expect you to jump out of the aisle and do a Pentecostal jig, twirl around three times. And, but you did get that, that multitude started praising God. You did get that, didn't you? Say, I got it. Let me ask you a question. How large is a multitude? How big is a big crowd? Because it mentions in verse 13, one angel, but now there's a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and as soon as they started saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, they entered into worship. Prove that. Book of Hebrews chapter number 1. Verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things. Being made much better than the angels, he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For, whoa, watch this now. This gets good. For into which or to which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. Didn't do it. At which time to any of the angels did he say, This day have I begotten thee? Didn't do it. And I quote from the scripture, and again, everybody say again, I will be to him a father. And again, he shall be to me a son. Now there's the mystery of the sonship. For when he came into the world, he didn't ask for another sacrifice, but he said, A body hast thou prepared me. 
Oh, wait a minute. It reads on. And again, everybody say again. Somebody be bold enough to ask me, how many agains are we going to have? You three are on dangerous ground. And again, when he bringeth in the firstborn into the world, that's Bethlehem. And again, when he brought in the first begotten into the world, that's the manger scene. I like this. Two words. He saith, my God. I thought you was through about now, all this again business. No, I got one more thing to say. I got to clear up because you already said to these people at that manger scene there was praise and worship. You told that to the shepherds. There's praise and there's worship, yet the word is not in the context. And so again, here's what he said. God saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. It's going to happen. You're going to find him. This is the one that you can praise. A great multitude started praising and saying, which later the writer of Hebrews says, they worshiped him. For God said, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do on this Christmas Eve. Hallelujah. I may have trouble getting back over there, but I'm going to try it. Hallelujah. You wonder what was taking place. We rejoice on Christmas. But that's the manger scene. What was happening on Christmas Eve? He gathered all the angels which numbered into the millions Ten thousands upon thousands upon thousands into the millions. He gathered all the angels together in heaven and he said, There's something I want you to do. Mm, hallelujah. Because I am going to go into the world. <laughs> and that little lady that's been carrying that baby in her womb is going to give birth in Bethlehem of Judea. And I want you to show up. Hallelujah. I'm going to send an angel before you, and then you're going to gather with them. And when you get there, I want you to start a big praise, and I want you to start worshiping. Let all the angels of heaven worship him. Right now, I refuse to be outdone by a million angels. I, I said I refuse to be put down or put back or say be quiet. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's let some of those praises and worship come up before him. Come on, let's worship. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. 
just worship. And again, when he came in, he said, let all the angels, got you all together because it's going to happen. Tomorrow's the big day. We're going to sing. And, uh, they, they, they've got a book down there with 150 songs in it. And somebody's going to write some more. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. But I'll tell you what the angels did. Mm, glory to God in the highest, I feel it. They saw the importance of praise and worship. That's why, that's why the whole book of Psalms deals with what? I will praise the Lord. I will praise him upon the instruments. I'll praise him in the singing. I'll praise him in the dance. I'll praise him in the shout. I'll praise him. But worship is the fire. And the heat of the fire is the praise. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. What God hath joined together, praise and worship, he desires in the church. And that's why I appreciate this church. You have learned, you have tapped in that there can be moves of God when you put praise and worship together. But I'm here to tell you, don't divide it. What God has put together let not any member put asunder. We still believe in praising him and worshiping him. <laughs> Praise is the heat from the fire of worship. You pray, you worship him with your spirit, parts of your being, your mind, your soul. You praise him with tangible things like a manger, like a cloth. Mm, you with me? I'm talking about that what God has joined together. And God who is so big and gracious saw it, it was so important that he would say, I'm going to put together two things that you're going to have to make sure that are in that barn, in that stable when you find it and go to it. Make sure that there's a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's lying in the manger. Whew. That's the sign for you. That's the sign for you. You see, we just take Christmas and we just go over it so lightly. God said, what I have joined together may look ridiculous, a piece of cloth, cloth and a piece of wood, a manger and some swaddling clothes. But oh, what a sign it is for those that are coming to find the Lord of glory, the great I am, the Jehovah Jireh, the God of the universe who comes flesh and dwells among us and you beheld his glory. Oh, it's so important whatever he joins together. Don't let man put asunder. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted from Satan? Wow, they got into it there. Finally, Jesus looked at Satan and he said, It is written, What I put together, let not man put asunder. 
must have had that on his mind. Because my mama told me. Got to remember it's for scene one, scene two. How did Jesus find out about that? Probably his mama or his daddy told. And he started growing up and said, wow, isn't that great how God can do those things? Put it together so that you'll find the right child. Ooh, hallelujah. Jesus looked at Lucifer and said, it is written. <laughs> Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. He said, whatever I join together, don't you put asunder. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. But it doesn't stop there. There's a comma, not a period. And him only shalt thou serve. Let me give notice right here. A God worth worshiping is the same God worth serving. The psalmist wrote it like this. How great, how mighty he is. But in your worship, remember this. You need to worship him. You need to praise him. And you need to worship him in the beauty of holiness. And that simply means separation. In the difference that you're going to be from those out there. Don't let them look down on you and don't you look down on yourself. Because what I've joined together, I have joined worship and serving together. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I met some people years ago when I was pastoring. You know what I found out about them? They learned how to speak in tongues, they called it. But they just kind of learned it, some gibberish. Somebody told them they had the Holy Ghost, and they didn't have it. You know how I knew, I knew they didn't have it? Came to visit church, I talked to them. They said, oh, we enjoyed the worship. There are a lot of people out there calling themselves Pentecostals and other things who want worship. They have a lot of singing, longer, more than preaching, dominates more. We buy their sheet music, we buy their recordings. And we sing it with the Holy Ghost touch. The danger is this. They enjoy worship. But they don't want to serve him in the beauty of holiness or separation. My discernment was working that night. I said to the man, I said, man, are you still smoking those stogies? Well, I'm trying to cut down. I told her, you still taking, you know, that 3 o'clock drink and getting woozy? And she, she says, well, I, I, I've been doing better. Uh-huh. Is that, I said, where's the beauty of all that? You want worship, but you don't want to serve him. And I repeat myself, a God worth worshiping 
is the same God that said, I put it together. Don't you disband it and get picky and pick one. You've got to have both of them. You've got to have worship. And you've got to have a Christian lifestyle. Give the Lord a hand for his word. Let's go back now. We've been to the manger. We've gone and seen two to the field. Let's go back to the manger scene. When they were going away, the shepherd said, let us go even now. Real quick, right on the heels of her wrapping the child up, putting the child in the manger, and this great announcement right on the heels of all that, let us now go even to Bethlehem and see the thing which is come to the past, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And when they, the shepherds, had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning the child. He said, you ain't going to, can you imagine them bumping into people, their friends or relatives and neighbors? Say, you ain't gonna, you're not going to believe this. Out with the flocks and an angel gave us instruction about finding this child and gave us two things to look for. God joined it together with two things. And it says that they wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. Won't go in the history of it, it's very simple. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth of Galilee, had to go to Bethlehem for taxation, had to go back to Nazareth and Galilee. That's where Jesus was brought up. He started his ministry on his way back into several villages, stopped into a few synagogues before he got to chapter 4, verse 16. That was in chapter 4, four and 14. So he had already started getting a touch of Judaism in the synagogue, and he walked in to the hometown where they had a synagogue. <laughs> you see, I don't know how old Jesus was when Joseph or Mary laid that announcement on him about, we want to tell you about the two things that God said the shepherds would find when they come to prove you were the Messiah. But they did it sometime because they were they were Jewish people, Jewish couple, raising a Jewish child. And the Bible said in, in the Torah, the Pentateuch, it said that you're going to have to keep these commandments and the statutes and the judgment. Teach them to your children diligently and thy children. When you sit in the house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down, go to bed, when you get up to go have breakfast. 
This psalm was written by Asaph. Give ear, O my people, to the law and climb thine ears to the words of my mouth. These things which you have heard and known, our fathers have told us. Watch this now. This is the Judaism, what was going on in the house. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come. Number one, the praises of the Lord. Jesus was taught by mom and dad the praises of the Lord. Number two, you're going to teach them in the Jewish home God's strength, his power. Wow. Three, you're going to be taught his wonderful works that he has done. Did you get that? And that's what Jesus was brought up on to understand the principle that God, as he was in the manger, didn't know it till he was told it. And he understood the principle. What God hath put together and joined together, let not man put asunder. And so the law said, make these things known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even their children, even the children which should be born. They're going to arise and declare them even to their children because you taught them, they're going to declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. I like what the proverb says in 20 and 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath even made both of them. You see, those shepherds returned and started telling. The Bible said they told what they had heard and what they had seen. Now get ready, I'm going to lay something heavy on you. Giving you a warning. Luke chapter 2, verse 20. And the shepherds return. I'm reading it from the book. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. That's what you had to teach your children. What you've heard God do, his miracles, his wonders, his power, his display of glory, his kindness, his mercy that endures forever. You're going to have to tell your children so that your, their children can tell their children and their children to their children. And the Bible says in Acts 8 and 6, And the people of Samaria with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. Are you with me? <laughs> John's in prison and he's kind of disturbed about did he do the right thing introducing Jesus as Messiah and baptizing Jesus? He got two of his disciples that was visiting on a jail day, visitation time, and told them, when, when, when you leave, go find a Jesus meeting and ask him a question for me. Are you the one that should come or should we look for another? And you think you have some doubts every now and then? Some little, something crosses your mind of unbelief and disbelief. 
John's in prison, and he wants to be sure. He's going to lose his head, man. <laughs> and here's what the Bible said. <laughs> they went to a Jesus meeting. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 11, they asked Jesus, John wants to know, are you the one that should come? Should we look for another? He didn't answer him right away. They stayed for the meeting proven by Scripture. Jesus must have said, well, you know, ooh, man, we're almost there. Church is about to start. The singers are about to sing. Worship is about to come forth. Praise unto the Lord is about to happen. Ooh, just stay for the meeting. And the Bible said that they stayed. Then Jesus, upon them getting ready to leave, Jesus said, oh, by the way, Go back and tell John the things that you heard and seen. And then Jesus maybe thinking, you know, they're going to really forget it. So let me just kind of remind you what it is. And he gave him a little notice verbally. Go back and tell John what you've heard and seen. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go back and tell John what you heard and seen in the meeting tonight. Fasten your seatbelt. It would be a tragedy if there was just a collective few that could write the memoirs of old-time Pentecost of what God used to do. I'm, this, this, this is not from my 1,100 and some odd books and binders, sermons that I've typed up over the years. My wife will tell you I was back downstairs after church here today until 515 if, if you want something fresh off the griddle, you better just scoot your chair up to the table because I'm about to lay this on you. It would be a tragedy for a few people in this church to be blessed, to be healed, to be delivered, to find that they, they can come in and through worship, Start feeling better than when they came in. Only a few. Tell it to your children and to your children's children. Is it possible that we could bring a generation up that we can enjoy flowing into the presence of the Lord? But we stop there and don't recognize the ability that God has through praise and worship to heal, to deliver, to set free, to break the habits, to change your life. I am saying it is time, a good year, no better time this year to see signs 
and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. But you got to want it. You've got to want it. What God has put together, don't let man put it asunder. I just feel like we ought to praise him for a moment. Let's praise him for a moment. I'm almost through. Let's praise him for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, in his own ministry, must have thought about that. Thanks, Mom, for reminding me that what God has joined together, don't let man put asunder. Maybe he felt that when he was talking to Nicodemus, who came to just converse, have a little social time. Finally, Jesus said, you know, you're a good man, but you're not born again yet. Born again? How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Well, that which is born of flesh is flesh. You see, if that was born of spirit, spirit. Don't you marvel when I say to you, you must be born again. You must be born again. Born of water, spirit. You must be born again. Oh, I just like the, I just like the ring of that. You must be born again. I had a man challenge me years ago. Saw me after a service, heard part of my message, and he said, you know, you talked about being born again. You talked about Pentecost. You talked about speaking in tongues. I said, I sure did. said, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he didn't talk about tongues. I said, oh, yes, he did. You don't talk about the new birth without talking about the great mystery and the phenomenon of speaking with other tongues. Because everybody in the Bible, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You shall receive the Holy Ghost, evidence speaking with other tongues. If it's been quite a while and you're kind of wondering about it, why don't you put the wonder back in wonderful and, and, and just... Ooh, enter into worship and praise and and let it come again and let it come again. The same baptism is also a refreshing. I said, well, sir, maybe I missed it. You're wanting me to take it away. Born of water, spirit. But I said when he talked about it, he said, This is how you must be born anew. And then he used the illustration. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof. That's a key phrase he used to to Nicodemus. Nick, he said, you hear the sound of the wind. You can't tell from whence it cometh or whether it So is everyone, watch how he locks it in, that is born of the Spirit. There's 
sound that comes as of a rushing mighty wind. It fills all the house wherein they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what God joined together, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. He connected tongues with it. Don't separate it. Receive it. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can I have a few more minutes? For you to say. <laughs> In the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, when the Holy Ghost was poured out on Cornelius, Peter is up there. He's preaching. And while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they began to speak with other tongues. And it was noted, it was mentioned, the two that came with Peter confirmed with Peter. Woo! He said, you know what? These have just received what we received at the beginning. And at the beginning when we received it, we spoke in tongues. And now look here, there are Howbeit we hear everyone here in this room, they're speaking with other tongues. It's the same thing. Why not? Holy Ghost and tongues is a package program. Don't let man put it asunder. Don't rob yourself of thinking you have something when you don't have it. You have repentance unto life. You have a joy that can fill cities. Acts chapter 8. There's wonderful things that start taking place. But don't sell yourself short because what God hath joined together in the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking with tongues, let not man put asunder. Hallelujah. Well, we've talked about the Holy Ghost. We've talked about worship. And it's amazing, too, how that. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus said, I want repentance. And I'm going to put something with that, he said. And don't you divide it. Don't you put it asunder. It's there for this church age. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And it was at Jerusalem Peter stood up and said, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. He preached repentance and remission of sins. And what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. I still believe he that believeth and is baptized. I, I said it goes together. He that believeth and is baptized. I'll say it one more time. He that believeth and is baptized. But now wait a minute, Brother Farino. <laughs> Ooh, I feel my strength coming here right now. Man comes along and says, I know what he says. He that believeth and is baptized. But I think I'll just say, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. After all, that was over there. <laughs> with the jailer and with Paul and Silas. Yeah, it was. And read on. For the night was out, 
They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Anytime you see the name of Jesus, it's got to be connected to baptism. And if someone comes along, well, I just, I want to, this is a hard thing. I want to believe in believism. Can I make a shortcut on your salvation? Wait a minute now. You want to believe in believism. All you have to do is he that believeth and is baptized. Find another believer is on top of it. He that believeth and is baptized. He that believeth and is baptized. If you haven't been baptized yet, He said, I'm going to put some things together. They're going to be blessings to you. Oh, I, as I backtrack real slowly, my time's up. <laughs> I went out. My time's up. But, oh, I could talk to you about David when he discovered, surely, <laughs> what God has joined together. He said, don't fool with it. Because surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Not just goodness. It's going to be good and merciful. Has God been good to you? Oh, this hurt, Lord. This missing, the missus. Touch it even right now. You shall lay hands on the sick, the brokenness. I like what he said. He put two things in. You lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Now, they may not be healed because recovery is a time element word. I don't know how long it's going to take. Instantaneous, progressive, still it's a miracle. He that believeth and is baptized. Our worship, our praise. Oh, I know. I could drop one couple more on you if you want me to. He didn't just talk about tithe. He talked about tithe and offerings. I'll tell you what, if one works for you, two of them ought to really bring you some shouting services and rejoice, rejoicing. It ought to make you happy. Put a smile on your face. If one of those you're doing, man, try two of them, a double blessing. Because he said, whatever I have joined together, let not man put asunder tithe and offerings. Hmm? <laughs> I'm heading back home up here. You know, there's a, there's a sober, because when you're into teaching some of these things, you, you, you've got to kind of like feeding a little baby. You've got to kind of wait till you give them the next spoonful of baby food till they digest it. And there'll be a couple of you. I'll just warn you now, if there's more than two in the car, watch out. You're going home. Somebody's going to get it. You may not get it yet. The next time you read a scripture, 
you're going to get it. Yeah, you just pick up the Bible and you'll start reading in his presence. Ooh, isn't that great? There is fullness of joy. Isn't that wonderful? That's not all it says. Oh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. I'm going to close with one, one area of Scripture. Would you stand with me? They're going to play real softly. I can find where I place this one. Hallelujah. Remember, remember when Jesus talked to that woman at the, at the well and they got into a big discussion about getting a drink and where you're going to worship? Oh, you Jews say that Jerusalem's place of worship. We worship in this mountain. Remember all that? Remember what Jesus said? The hour cometh now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Here's why I wanted. I made a reference to that. You shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I want. I want to close with this. Is there a believer in the house? Is there a believer in the house? Is there a believer in the house? Would you wave your hand and say, "I believe." He that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Listen to me very closely. Very closely. The Bible said in Mark 16, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Would you respond, I'm a believer? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's just to a believer. You lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I don't know how long it's going to take. I told you that a few minutes ago. But watch this. Now, everybody say now. Say right now. Immediately, if not sooner. That's right now. Unto him. that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And there's no period there. We put periods where there's commas. He'll do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, comma, according to the power that worketh in us. What was the opening statement of that verse? Unto Him. Are you connected with Him in your believing He can do it? 
You know, there's a few of you in my spirit, I feel there's a few of you that you wouldn't mind taking another moment or two if it meant getting a prayer answered, getting a situation turned around. There's a few of you that are going through something right now, physical, mental, spiritual. And so I'm going to obey what the Lord wants me to do right now. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that's working, the workability of the power to meet that need right now. If it's activated, stir it up according to the power that worketh in us. And, and here's, you may not want to shout and leave footprints on the ceiling before you leave, but we, we always forget the next verse, the last verse. We start with unto him who's going to do something that it's beyond our thinking, beyond our ability to comprehend. That's verse 20, but verse 21, here's what it says. Unto him, unto him that you're going to, to let something be stirred up and worked in you to fulfill, to meet your need. Unto him be glory in the church. Don't forget what happens to you is according to the power that's working in you, but it starts with him and unto him in the church. Be glory. If there's any glory, somebody comes up to you and says, I feel God wants me just to pray with you, and you did feel a touch. Remember, it started with God, and it must be glory in the church to the same God. Don't you take any glory for it. Lord, somebody needs to come right now. Pastor, ministers in the church, Elder Buford, come and stand right here. There's a few people that need a touch. Don't sell God short. Hear what I said. He's putting some things together in your life. He's putting some things together to give you faith. Don't let somebody take it away. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. I want you, they're going to stand here and face you. I want you to come down. Take a moment. This is just entering into our dismissal time, but I, I feel somebody needs to have something stirred up. Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. Water baptism in Jesus' name. Healing by faith, believing. Come on, just walk down here. Walk down here. Let these brethren pray for you right now. Real quick, do it real quick. Just walk fast and come on down. Let God touch you while they sing it. Hallelujah. Shout to the Lord of the earth. Let us sing. Let God touch you. Power and majesty. Let God touch you.